Hey, listener, this is Josh Elledge, CEO of UpMyInfluence.com. We are actively seeking guests for our daily commercial-free entrepreneurial inspiration podcast. If you know someone who is doing six to eight figures in business, send them our way. Just go to UpMyInfluence.com slash guest. Let's get on with the show. All right. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to The Thoughtful Entrepreneur. I'm your host, Jen Amos. And today I have with me Warren Coughlin, who is a business coach to ethical entrepreneurs, a serial entrepreneur himself, a presentation trainer, and father. You can learn more about him at his website, warrencoughlin.com. He also has an ebook, which we'll probably get into later, called How to Build a Business That Matters. Warren, welcome to the show. Thanks very much for having me. It's great to be here. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's a new year, Warren. So I thought I'd ask, how's uh, 2021 treating you so far? Actually, fantastically. I, I'm, I've had the great fortune that none of my clients have been badly affected by COVID and have had, in fact, made great pivots. Um, and so it's been really, really pretty positive. I'm glad to hear that. I feel uh, I feel fortunate to have been on the show since uh, kind of mid uh, 2020 in the middle of the pandemic because um, you know they say that you are who you surround yourself with, and to constantly talk to people who have talked about how they pivoted or how they continue to serve the marketplace despite the craziness of it all, um, it just gives me hope that there's there's mm. a lot of good people out there just still trying to do good things um, and not just um, cave in, <laughs> cave in, or, no, sure. or kind of like stay in their house hoping that uh, the the normal will come back, right? <laughs> right. Well, it's interesting. It's I, I was talking to somebody recently. He said, There's, there is no new normal. It's just the new strange. Because <laughs> normal, normal suggests that there's some predictability, even in a new way. And where yeah. we are right now, there's just no predictability. So it's just the new abnormal. <laughs> yeah, I like that. The new strange, the new abnormal. I think I'm going to start using that moving forward. So thank you for whoever told you that or you in discussion. <laughs> thank you for that discussion. Cause now I'm going to use that. Cause it's true. It's the new abnormal. Um, Cause we really don't know what the future holds um, yet. Here we are. <laughs> here we it's are true. still alive and kicking, right? <laughs> And it's that it's that uncertainty that actually that's what a lot of what I'm talking to people about these days now is how do you actually make decisions in the face of uncertainty? Because yeah. that's the world we are in now. There isn't this new normal. Nobody knows whether the vaccines are going to work, whether they're not going to work, yeah. whether people are going to buy stuff or whether they're going to buy experiences. Like there's just so many unknowns. And how do you wind up making decisions in the face of probabilities and uncertainties? Yeah, let's talk about that word uncertainty, uh, considering how that is the theme of, you know, since 2020, really. Um, but before I get there, let's backtrack. Um, you know, you have been coaching since 2002. So that's mm -hmm. just incredible. First of all, congratulations. That's a long time uh, to be in business. And I'm curious to know, when did you start to notice that maybe this theme of uncertainty really started to take place? Because I do think that uncertainty is kind of a, a common theme amongst entrepreneurs anyway. But when did you start to really see like, okay, we really got to hone in with this kind of theme of uncertainty and embracing it? Huh. Well, I mean, candidly, pretty much my whole career. I mean, I'm, I'm a recovering <laughs> lawyer. I practice, you know, litigation. So there's always uncertainty there. I've been through four economic downturns. I'm a bit of an old fart, I guess. <laughs> um, and so I, it, uncertainty has always been baked into everything that I've been involved in. I was involved in the new media industry when it first started, then the dot bust and the financial crisis. So pretty much everybody I've worked with, uncertainty has been one of the principles that you got to bake into your decision making and planning. Mm -hmm. um, and I think what's happened to a lot of younger entrepreneurs is the last 10 years have basically been a, you know, gradual, but pretty much straight uphill. 
Mm-hmm. And, you know, as Bill Gates says, success is a lousy teacher, mm-hmm. right? Um, you know, where the calm seas make for bad sailors. Mm-hmm. And so when you, when you haven't had the bumps in the road, you tend to think that things are going to continue the way they always have. And so when something like COVID comes up, it can sort of throw you off because you haven't anticipated it. And when COVID first hit, actually, I was doing a ton of seminars and webinars and podcasts all about how to manage in a downturn because so many people had just never been there before. Mm-hmm. And there are some practices that can get you through it, right? But yeah. if you've never, if you've just sort of assumed that things are going to be fine, yeah, <laughs> can get right, you right. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, for everyone that is experiencing a downturn for the first time and they feel like it's the end of the world, um, you must be chuckling when <laughs> when you see that. <laughs> well, kind of, yeah. I mean, that's not to belittle it. I mean, this was mm-hmm. this was a pretty unprecedented collapse in demand for a lot right. of for a lot of businesses. But there are things that you can do. I mean, I always tell people like basically plan your business knowing that every seven to ten years there's going to be a downturn. Mm-hmm. And you just have to know that's going to be the case. And if you are aware of that, you know, this, this run was relatively long, but it was a disease that knocked it off, but it's always, something is always going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. And so if you're building the planning for that, then that's what, you know, so uncertainty, it's interesting, right? So there's certainty in uncertainty. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I sometimes use the, the metaphor of a poker game. You know, mm-hmm. I don't, it, poker isn't pure gambling the way you normally think of gambling because a rookie poker player can beat a pro in a given hand, mm. but the pro is always going to win the game over mm-hmm. a rookie. Mm-hmm. Which means there's skill involved in making decisions in an uncertain environment. Mm-hmm. And business is the same way. There's skills that you can learn that help you mitigate risk and take advantage of opportunities in an uncertain environment. And when you when you kind of get the discipline of doing that, then circumstances like what we went through aren't quite so daunting. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And if people, if uh, entrepreneurs have people like you to coach them, um, I think it eases, <laughs> eases that um, uncertainty. <laughs> well, speaking with some self-interest. Yeah. I like to think so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's your episode. So I want to make it about you. Uh, but you know, so Warren, uh, as I mentioned here, um, you are a business coach to ethical entrepreneurs. And I, I actually find that as an interesting description because often people say, oh, I, I coach entrepreneurs, but tell us uh, what does it mean to be an ethical entrepreneur for you? Well, so it's interesting. I, I grew up in the heyday of the Edmonton Oilers, you know, when Wayne Gretzky was around. And then, you know, now you've got Steph Curry and people like that. And I was like, the greats never cheat, right? Mm. Because their skills are so high that they never have to. Mm-hmm. Business has within it a lot of pressure. And sometimes people compromise their values be- to compensate for the fact that they don't have the skills to drive through things. Mm-hmm. Um, I, bu- I, I foundationally believe, and pretty much everything I've done in my life has kind of been driven by this, mm-hmm. I fundamentally believe that entrepreneurship is one of the most positive forces for positive social change. Mm-hmm. And people who embrace that as a value are the people who are going to really make a difference through their businesses. You know, there's sort of, you could argue that there's sort of a, vacuum in moral leadership right now, Mm -hmm. um, you know, in politics and in a lot of other environments. And so where do people look to for their moral guidance? And they look to the workplace, Mm. you know, because that's where they get their signals about what behaviors are appropriate and which behaviors aren't. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, when I say ethical entrepreneurs, I kind of coined the term a while ago, philanthropeneur, which means Mm -hmm. a business that wants to make money while making the world a bit of a better place. Mm -hmm. And you do that by being values driven. So it's not about preaching a a particular ethical framework. It's more saying, run your business according to your core values, 
lead with values. And when you do that, you will attract to you great people. You'll attract to you customers who align with those values. You'll probably grow because people are going to trust you because you're values driven. You're going to have loyalty members and you're just going to enjoy your life better because at a really foundational psychological level, if you're dissonant or disconnected from your own values, mm -hmm. it doesn't matter how much money you make, you're going to be miserable. Yeah. Whereas when you run your business aligned with your values, you can sleep at night and you'll feel great about what you do, which then just makes you more motivated and your, your interactions with customers and staff are more authentic and you just wind up being more successful. Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, I, I just feel like you can't really be an entrepreneur unless you have values or at least you know your values, right? I mean, I know there's some people who are kind of what they call themselves the accidental entrepreneur where they fall into it because they have to right. and they have to sell something. But I think if you're looking for longevity in this type of space, you have to have core values. I, I Well, so here's the cynical side of me. It is, it is entirely possible mm -hmm. to get rich and make a lot of money while being unethical and, and mm. not being values driven. You absolutely can do that, mm -hmm. but you won't be happy mm. and you won't mm. command the respect of the people that you want to respect you. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's like, you know, what's most important to you at the end of the day. Um, I think if you want your kids to look up to you, your community to look up to you, to be able to sleep at night, to be able to be driven by values is, is a real point of distinction. Yeah. And I know one of your pride point points for being a coach, Warren, is you love seeing people be happy and fulfilled in both their lives and their businesses. So, you know, you're really looking for those people who um, can sleep well at night, knowing that they've done a good thing in their workplace and even in their, in their home. Yeah. And it doesn't mean that you've always had to do it right. You know, like that's part of what I talk about. When you develop the skills, you're going to be less tempted to make any of those, you know, compromises because you're going to know the right thing to do. Mm -hmm. um, but you know, everyone makes mistakes, mm -hmm. um, but it's more that aspiration to, to want to live a life that way. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So I want to get into a couple examples here. You mentioned that, um, you know, it's really about having those core values leading with those values. Um, give us an example of, um, some clients that you've worked with. You don't have to like name drop or anything, but clients <laughs> where you've helped them go through that process of, you know, really identifying their core values and therefore leading with it. Sure. I, so I got to tell you this story. I got, I'm going to have to bleep something cause this, I got to <laughs> quote the client. So this was a great story cause it was it, this client. They're really successful firm. They're about $45 million at the time. They're now about 80. Um, and they're a partnership team that, that leads the thing. And one of the partners really wanted to, to get into this whole values thing. Mm -hmm. And so I started introducing it and the other partner kind of looked at me and he went, this is effing bull beep. Oh boy. <laughs> right. Anyway, I'm not doing this. And so, you know, we didn't, but, but she worked on him for a while, about nine months later, we actually got into it. Mm -hmm. They have done unbelievably great work with their values and their culture. Mm. They are now, so they've almost doubled their revenue. Wow. They have been named best place to work in their category for five years running. And that guy who was so opposed to it, he now in public talks will say culture, it's everything. Wow. I it love totally it. Totally transformed their business. I had another client who he was, he was, he was kind of lost. You know, he just wasn't motivated anymore. Uh, he was in debt to the tax man. Um, his culture wasn't great. And mm -hmm. we did and it just really intensive work combining strategy and culture. Yeah. He wound up getting a second tier of management that he could trust. His culture was high performance. His sales performance increased. Within mm -hmm. three to four years, he sold the business for an eight-figure exit. Mm -hmm. He's now engaged in philanthropy while setting up a second business. 
Wow. Um, and so like all these, I've, I've just had another client recently, she was wanting to hire a senior person and the two best candidates in her region were both people who had their own businesses. Mm-hmm. But the recruiter who contacted them shared the company values and they both said, that's a company I want to be part of. Mm. Wow. That's incredible. Um, yeah. you, hint- you hinted at, um, you know, one of the two things that you really like to stress as a coach, which is the culture um, and strategy. Uh, tell us a little bit more about how you feel like those two really uh, work side by side with each other. Yeah. It's, you know, over my, the evolution of my own coaching practice, this has just become so clear to me. You'll hear, you'll hear sometimes, you know, culture eats strategy or you got to have strategy. I'm a big believer that culture and strategy are great bedfellows Mm. because strategy tells you what to do. Culture makes sure it gets done. Mm-hmm. And so when I talk about culture, I use the term high performance culture. So it's not about kumbaya and, you know, having lunches and playing foosball. Mm-hmm. It's about ensuring that there's a reciprocal relationship of respect and trust among people who really want to achieve the purpose of the business. Mm-hmm. And then the strategy says, how are we going to deploy our scarce resources of time, team, and money to achieve those objectives? And when you have clarity on that, a high performance motivated team is going to grab onto that like a running back with a football driving for the end zone. You know, they're just, that gives them something so meaty to hang on to. And it gives them faith that this leadership is driven towards something. Mm -hmm. And then that culture makes sure things get done and they hold each other accountable. So the leader, the biggest complaint you hear from entrepreneurs is sort of like Godfather three, right? They're, they're trying to move forward and they keep pulling me back in, (laughs) you know, and when you have this great culture, you don't get pulled back in and you as the leader get to keep driving forward, mm-hmm. you know, and keep developing that strategy. But when you either, if you have a great culture, but without a strategy, you get high performers who get frustrated. When mm-hmm. you have a great strategy, but you have a weak culture, you have strategies that don't get executed and then people get frustrated. But when you have the two together, that's like cooking with gas. Yeah, definitely. Because it's one thing to have the strategy. It's one thing to know what to do, but um, it's another thing to um, implement it and make it sustainable. And so I really just like that take on, um, you know, strategy and culture is like the yin and yang to mm-hmm. each other. Yeah. And the biggest, you know, most strategies fail, not because the strategy was bad. They just fail in execution. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. We should, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll pause there for a second for that to process for people. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's true. I was like, Oh, that's, that took me back there for a second. That's real talk. Um, well, Warren, you have a, an ebook, a free, a free download that people can get on your website called how to bid a, uh, how to build a business that matters. Uh, tell us about this ebook. So basically what it does is it breaks down the seven key steps in how to both develop and execute a strategy. Because, mm-hmm. you know, I've been doing this since 2002. I've coached people from startup to 120 million in revenue. Mm-hmm. And I can kind of count on one hand the number of people who've done strategy well. Mm-hmm. And usually wow. it's just because people haven't been trained on how to do it, right? And entrepreneurs, they want to kind of get to the next thing really super fast. Mm-hmm. And you need to spend the time to do it properly. It doesn't have to take a lot of time, but mm-hmm. you got to go through the steps. So, you know, there's seven steps, but there's three phases, I guess. There's analysis, there's planning, and then there's execution. Mm-hmm. And in the analysis piece, it's all about how you do a SWOT analysis properly. Mm-hmm. And SWOT means, for those who don't know, it's strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. And if you don't do that right, what tends to happen is that people work on the symptoms rather than the problems. 
Mm-hmm. You know, and but when you do the analysis right, you get to what the, what's really going on. Like you have a sales problem. Oh, we got to sell more. Well, why aren't you selling? Maybe it's because your salespeople aren't good. Maybe it's because they haven't been trained properly. Maybe it's because your USP is terrible. Maybe it's because mm-hmm. your processes are awful. Until you actually do the analysis, you don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. And so there's the you know. I'm a bit countercultural in one respect. There's a lot of things out there where people are doing get the one page, simple one page strategic plan, right? Which is which is a lovely output. The problem is a lot of those systems are kind of what I call guy go guy go. They're gold in, gold out, or garbage in, garbage out. Mm-hmm. And if you don't do the analysis right, you're gonna get bad outcomes. Mm-hmm. And so to that extent, I, I did something because I was working with entrepreneurs for years on this. And anytime I ask somebody to do a SWOT analysis, they come back with 15 items. And then when I'm done with them, there's like 150. <laughs> so I created a tool that actually automates the whole front end of the strategic planning process, where it just asks you a bunch of yes, no questions with some qualifications that you can elaborate on. And it automatically populates the SWOT. Mm-hmm. So you don't have to do that heavy thinking about all the areas. It just goes through each area of your business and breaks it down. But once you've done that, the next piece where people go awry on the strategy is they just go from analysis to, I want to do whatever I want to work on. Mm-hmm. And they try to do too much. And if you, I've, I've said this in workshops, if you ever started a year where you've, you're super keen, you got high goals, you got 23 things you want to get done by October, nothing fundamentally has changed. A lot of things on the 20 yard line, but you're exhausted and have worked really hard. Mm-hmm. And the problem is that you're trying to do too many things at once mm-hmm. and you're kind of playing whack-a-mole. Whereas when you say, and this is, I find this, it's so hard to convince entrepreneurs of this, but if you do two things a quarter, you'll have done eight things over the course of a year. You Mm -hmm. find me five businesses that have done eight major improvements over the course of a year. Mm -hmm. You won't, it'd be hard to find Mm -hmm. right? right? because they don't have that focus. So the next piece of that strategic planning thing, once you've done the SWOT is to say, okay, what's my focus going to be now? I know there's 10 things that are going to happen. But there's only two I can zero in on right now. The other ones, they're going to have to wait. Mm-hmm. And that takes, boy, that takes some discipline. And, you know, I sometimes joke for a lot of entrepreneurs, that's kind of sphincter tightening. Like, you, you make me want to make me make a choice. <laughs> uh, you know, Warren, what you're telling me, um, and that should be something that all entrepreneurs should know is that strategizing is not simple. It's not as easy as you think it is. And I really like kind of the breakdown of the SWOT analysis um, and really uh, helping people like kind of provide those questions already to ask themselves. Because, you know, if you're looking at it, if a if an entrepreneur is looking at their business and trying to break that all down, they, they really can't. They're too much into it, right? Yes. And so to be able to provide those questions, I think is, um, is very, very helpful. And also uh, just kind of that phrase, less is more, um, you know, honing in on one or two strategies to implement just for that year alone. Um, also reminds me of like the, the 80-20 rule. Like, you know, you can get like 80% of things done by just focusing on the 20% of the most important things. I'm hope, I hope I'm saying that correctly. Yep, yep. But, um, but yeah, that's what I'm hearing from you is really like strategy is not as simple <laughs> as uh, people make it out to be. And, um, you know, to create a sustainable business, you really have to, um, focus on that strategy and then also ultimately having the culture of the team, um, you know, work along with that. And the, and the execution piece, um, can I tell you a quick story about this? Yeah, please. So apart, it was just the best example of this I've seen and it's mm-hmm. about execution. So this was a business, great client. They're, they're about 60 million in revenue. Um, but they never actually, it was amazing. They grew that fast, but they never done this kind of detailed strategic planning. And they, mm-hmm. they were at the point they, re, they really understood they needed to. 
And so they did a great job. I worked with them. They built a really, really, really well thought out strategic plan. Mm-hmm. And then the owner was a smart guy. And he said, Warren, I want you to sit in on our first few implementation meetings, you know, as the executive team. And so the first meeting I sat in on, and within five minutes, what's, well, you're, one of the things you do in execution is you have to update the plan every week to make sure that everybody's accountable for what they're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. So this one person, the second in command of the company comes in and didn't update the plan, started talking about something that wasn't even on the plan. Mm-hmm. Everybody started engaging with her on this thing that wasn't on the plan. And then at the end of the meeting, the owner sort of looked at me and he goes, so Warren, how did we do? Mm-hmm. And I said, well, as of this moment, your plan is dead. <laughs> wow. And they all, their mouths open. They went, what are you talking about? I said, yeah. second in command in this company, pooched the plan, didn't have anything to do with it. Everybody bought in, didn't hold her accountable to it, allowed her to take it into a whole other direction. Now, as of this moment, everybody has permission to do whatever they want that's not on the plan. Mm. And the room got awful quiet. <laughs> um, but they sort of got it then, right? And that's where execution, like people don't fail in execution because they're not sincere or because they don't care or anything like that. It's just because this thing comes up that seems important in the moment. And that becomes what you talk about and you don't reference the plan anymore. Mm-hmm. What you need to do, like, so here's the magic lesson on this, because people will always say, but you don't understand, Warren, what happens, you know, something happened that we couldn't anticipate. Mm -hmm. Yes. And every military commander and every sports coach will tell you that what happens on the field of battle never perfectly reflects what's on the plan, but without the plan, they would have got their butts kicked. Mm -hmm. And so a plan is a framework for decision-making. When something comes up, you have to make the intentional decision to say, is this new thing more important than the thing that's on the plan? Mm. If it is, fine. You change the plan. If yeah. it isn't, you've got to have the strength to say, mm, even though people are fussing about it, it's not really on the priority list right now. Mm-hmm. Wow. You have the strength to be able to say that. That reminds me a lot of my husband who is an army vet, army officer vet. And uh, we, we work together and I'm more of the planner and he's the, he's the implementer, but he's, I mean, I'm more of the planner, but he's the pivoter. I call him the pivoter because right. he's always like, we have this plan, but we need a pivot. Like this is just not apl- applicable. Now we have new information. And so we've had plenty of arguments around that to the point where I finally understood where he was coming from. But uh, anyway, Warren uh, really, really enjoyed our conversation today. Want to make sure I covered all my bases though, before we go, anything else, uh, you want to share with our small business owners and entrepreneurs listening to The Thoughtful Entrepreneur? Just, just this, I guess, that in the face of COVID, it can be, it can feel really daunting. And mm-hmm. what I've seen a lot of people do is because there's this level of uncertainty, they're putting heads down, even people who are thriving right now, mm-hmm. they're making decisions and reacting with a really, really short-term focus. Mm-hmm. What I encourage you to do is just lift your head. This next year has just massive amounts of opportunity built into it, along with some pretty substantial threats. Mm. And if you're not looking for them, you're, it's easy to get bit on the backside, either by the threat or by competition who does take advantage of the opportunities. So mm-hmm. take the time to just look a little bit longer and think about where you want to be one and two years from now and start moving the chess pieces so that you're positioned to take advantage of that. I love that. Warren, uh, yeah, on that note, Warren, thank you. Uh, it's been thank such a pleasure. Thank you very much having for having me. me.
Great yeah, I really enjoyed our conversation today. Um, and again, to our listeners, this is Warren Coughlin, who is a business coach of ethical entrepreneurs, a serial entrepreneur himself, presentation trainer and father. You can learn more about him and all the good things he's doing. Also download that ebook for free, which is called, um, which is called, wait, give me one second, which is called how to build a business that matters uh, at his website, warrencoughlin.com. Thank you all so much for joining us. And we'll chat with you in the next episode. Tune in next time. Thanks for listening to the Thoughtful Entrepreneur Show. If you are a thoughtful business owner or professional who would like to be on this daily program, please visit upmyinfluence.com slash guest. Now, if you've got something out of this interview, would you share this episode on social media? Just do a quick screenshot with your phone and text it to a friend or post it on the socials. Now, if you do that, tag us with the hashtag upmyinfluence. Each month, we scour Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram. We pick one winner from each platform, and you get crowned king or queen of that social media. Now, what do you win? Well, we're going to promote you and your business to over 120,000 social media fans, totally free. Now, can you also hook us up? Now, in your podcast player right now, please give us a thumbs up or a rating and review. We promise to read it all and take action. We believe that every person has a message that can positively impact the world. Your feedback helps us fulfill that mission. And while you're at it, hit that subscribe button. You know why? Tomorrow, that's right, seven days a week, you are going to be inspired and motivated to succeed. 15 minutes a day. Now, my name's Josh Elledge. Let's connect on the socials. You'll find all the stuff we're doing at upmyinfluence.com. Now, thanks for listening, and thank you for being a part of the Thoughtful Entrepreneur Movement. Mm-hmm.